I'm Dan Casper, and welcome to the Man Cave Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to talking about, well, a lot of things, mostly sports, mixed in with some other entertaining, interesting, unplugged, and unfiltered conversations. We'll debate, banter, analyze, and have some fun conversations that make you think and laugh. I'll be your host guiding each episode, and occasionally we'll have some guests with me. So kick back and join in on the latest conversations going on in the man cave. So let's do it. Let's get this episode started. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dan Casper here. It is another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in, and if this is the first time you're tuning in, well, hopefully we can keep you coming. Keep you coming back to the Man Cave. If you are a regular listener, appreciate it. Appreciate you coming back, and uh, hopefully we can keep you. You know what I mean? So, uh, But, man, I am pumped, pumped about this episode of the podcast because I get to talk to David Robido Now, if you don't know who that is, Think about all of the like NFL films that you've watched, uh, some of the award ceremonies, the you know, Super Bowl, that background music. David Robido created that. He's the composer over there at NFL Films. Some of the iconic songs that you think about when you think of uh, some of these games and these moments in these films. It's it's from David. It's from David's mind, and I have been such a big fan of his because you know i'm i'm listening to his music when i'm getting ready in the mornings or at certain points you know just you know depending on what what my mood's like like if i'm getting excited about something or or want to focus on something i've got his stuff up i've got his music up so great conversation my first time ever talking to him got to know a little bit more about him the process and and what it's like working with nfl films too that's like one of my dream jobs to be able to work with nfl films we've been able to talk to a few people over there at nfl films chris willis david ben uh, ben fennel and such but this one this was a good conversation and i might have gotten a little bit uh, fanboyish there a little bit but oh man it was it was so cool i would love you know love to have like 10 seconds of one of his pieces be like our intro or or something like that that'd be so cool so cool uh but you're gonna hear that conversation coming up then uh at the end of this segment or at the end of this podcast i'll make my super bowl prediction but before we get to our conversation with david i know that's why you're probably listening i gotta do my hall of fame picks okay i'm a big you know history buff football history buff love it um so every year I kind of do my picks. Like if I had a ballot, if I was one of those uh, people in the room making the votes or making the picks or voting for for the class for the Hall of Fame, I, I would I, that'd be that'd be freaking awesome again too. But I'm gonna make my picks the, for for the modern era because senior finalists Cliff Branch get in, contributor finalist Art McNally he's gonna get in, coach finalist Dick Vermeil he's gonna get in. So I'm just gonna focus on the modern era candidates. Okay. So we got three first-year eligible players on this list. Andre Johnson, DeMarcus Ware, Devin Hester. My picks, my five. I'm going to go Jared Allen. I think Jared Allen makes it this year. Uh, Jared Allen is 12th on the all-time career sacks list with 136. Other Hall of Famers that are or other people above him on this list are in the Hall of Fame. We know Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Kevin Green just got in. A few years ago, Julius Peppers is going to get in. Michael Strahan's in. Jason Taylor's in. 
I think Jared Allen, he's been a, a finalist before. I think he gets in, and I think he's going to be joined by DeMarcus Ware. I think DeMarcus Ware also gets in as a first-year eligible player. He's ninth on the list of uh, all-time career sacks, 138-and-a-half. So I think those two two, uh, two guys who made a living getting, getting after the quarterback, I think they're going to get in. I, I think they're going to get their name called. And remember, the awards and the Hall of Fame ceremonies on Thursday night. Okay, Thursday night, not the Saturday like it has been uh, before in the past. So I've got those two getting in. I've got Tony Baselli getting in. I know he's kind of like a... I don't, want to, I don't know if lightning rod, rod is a little too dramatic, but a lot of people maybe not think it because he only played you know, a few years in the league, 95 to 2001 with Jacksonville, Texans. He was on the injured reserve. Career was derailed by injuries uh, with that knee injury, but there was no doubt about it. He was, at the, he was one of the best when he was in the game. And that's kind of been my thing with, with the Hall of Fame or any Hall of Fame has been if, if a dude, if a, if a player is, is great and he's Hall of Fame worthy, Put them in. You know, how much do we factor in longevity? So I think if a guy like Tony gets in, like TD, Terrell Davis got in a few years ago, if Tony gets in, I think we need to have that conversation about, like, with, with Sterling Sharp and start to get his name involved in that, too. So I'm going to go with Tony Baselli. Uh My next one, I'm going to go with Andre Johnson. I think he gets in. Another first-year guy uh, getting in there. Uh, wide receiver, a long-time wide receiver for the, for the Houston Texans. He did spend a... A year with the with the Colts over there, but you, we all know about him with uh, with with the with the Houston Texans and being the main guy over there. And usually, you know, wide receivers it may take a couple years to to get in and such. But I think this year it actually helps Andre Johnson. Now, if you lumbers, receiving yards, fourteen. You know, Reggie Wayne, who's also a finalist, fourteen thousand three hundred and forty-five. Uh, tenth, nineteen thousand one hundred five. But I just Andre Johnson was a beast, and when he was at the top of his career, and he was I mean, he was just a stud. He was a stud. So either Wayne or Johnson getting in one of those two. But if I was voting, I would go with I would go with Andre Johnson. And then I think this is the year Leroy Butler gets it. Leroy Butler finally gets in, right? Packers fans, he gets in. John Lynch got it last year. Looking at this list of uh, you know the the finalists, Rondé Barber is listed as a defensive back. Um, you know, it opens the door. That's the only other one there. That opens the door for Leroy Butler. Get him in. Get him in. This is the year. I think Devin Hester is going to be an intriguing one to watch. He is a finalist. But I think, you know, with the NFL, it would not be surprising or shocking at any point in the next few years to see, like, punt returns and kick returns eliminated. So Devin Hester is only getting in because of his return ability, punts and kicks. So if he gets in, that kind of like opens the door maybe for uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson to, to get in. Uh, Brian Mitchell did it for a long time, was 14 years in the NFL. I would not be surprised if Devin Hester gets in. It would be kind of like a new position getting in, and it would be at a time where it looks like the NFL is maybe leaning towards eliminating the return game. So if he gets in, I wouldn't be surprised, I wouldn't be shocked, but maybe that opens the door for those other two players that I had mentioned. But those are my five picks. Again, Jared Allen, DeMarcus Ware, Tony Baselli, uh, Andre Johnson, Leroy Butler. So that's that's who I'm going with. All right, let's just jump into it, okay? Let's just jump into it. My conversation with David Robodeau, NFL Films composer, all that iconic, 
awesome music that you hear in NFL films and shows or awards or during the games, most likely from David. Such an awesome conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here we go. Joining us now, we're talking with one of, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Um, I've loved his work for a long time. And as many of you know, I'm a, I'm a big NFL history guy. I'm a big, you know, history buff to, to begin with. And obviously I pay attention a lot, watch a lot of stuff on the NFL network, NFL films. And whenever there's a good song or a good intro song, background song, you know, I'm on YouTube listening to it, trying to find out what it is. And, and it's always done by this man, David Robido, uh, Robido, excuse me. And he has been so kind enough to to join me on this episode of our podcast, David. Thank you so much for taking some time and, and chatting with me. It is an honor, and I, I big fan, so I might kind of you know geek out a little bit here with with all of your work in that. So thank you so much for taking some time and talking with us. Well, thanks, Dan. No, I appreciate it. I, I want to thankful for people like you that that uh, let us do what we do. You know, we won't be able to do it without you. Well, I mean, your your work speaks for itself. We could go through your your resume and and all the work you've done, and that might take an hour just to go through all of your amazing stuff that you've done. And I kind of want to go back back to the beginning. What what drew you into music? How did you get into music? What was it that that just piqued your interest and and made you kind of realize this is what I want to do for a living? Uh, you know, I wish I had some great story. You know that my my mom was some concert pianist and my dad was a rock star, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of, you know, music was in our family. You know, we played instruments, me and my brothers, and I was in rock bands as a kid, stuff like that. But, um, you know, I was a complete 80s kid. I was, you know, obsessed with everything in the 80s. And I think, uh, you know, music was a huge part of that, you know, everywhere you went, there's just, you know, these catchy, infectious melodies, whether it was some pop tune or rock song, or you went to the movies, see Star Wars or Rocky or whatever it was, you came out whistling the tune, um, you know, you turned on TV. I think it had, uh, you know, looking back, I think it had a real profound impact on me, you know, at least, mm-hmm. you know, the types of music that I gravitate towards when I'm going to listen to stuff or, you know, ultimately, when I started writing music, um, you know, melody and, you know, trying to write a memorable melody or something that's catchy or make people feel a certain way, that, you know, just became what I did when I wrote music, you know. And I think, uh, you know, early on as a kid, that, that 80s stuff really had a lot to do with it. And, uh, you know, playing in bands and and basically... When I was in junior high school, I knew I wanted to do music, something in music. I mean, there was no question about it. I, uh, you know, never had to think about where I wanted to go to school or what I wanted to do. You know, that was all just, you know, for me, there was no choice. It's what I had to do. So, um, you know, luckily the guys I was in bands with and stuff, we all went to uh, a school in Boston called Berkeley College of Music and, uh, yeah, it was great. It was, it was an amazing experience. It was hyper competitive. You know, it really weeded out whether you feel you could make it in the real world or not. You know, you mm-hmm. either made it through the first year or you didn't. And, uh, you know, it was an amazing experience there. And that kind of set me up for, 
you know, of my eventual job at NFL. You mentioned uh, some of those movies. I mean, I, I'm a big Rocky fan, and, you know, the the soundtrack, I think, ah. of Rocky Two. you know, training montages and Rocky Four and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I, would you say that was kind of a big inspiration, those soundtracks? I mean, Hoosiers with, with their soundtracks. I mean, I'm a big movie, sports movie guy. Was that kind of the same thing with you, kind of with, with those type of soundtracks? Oh, it was huge. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing when you look back and you wonder, how did you get to do what you're doing and why are you in this position and um you know that was huge you know i would say my youth i was probably a little more obsessed with you know the rock side of things to play guitar bass and drums and you know i was into van halen any kind of music you could think of um but when i look back i i specifically remember you know movies like back to the future and star wars and hoosiers and rocky it just like hit me a certain way just couldn't get out and i did the same thing it was hard back then to find out who did stuff but you know you find out john williams wrote you know the olympic theme and also wrote star wars and also did indiana jones and all this kind of stuff you know i immediately became a huge fan you know and it was you know to me there was no difference between a catchy van halen song and star wars theme it was to me it did the same thing it was just this infection, you know, it just, you couldn't get it out of your, your head. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was fate that got me to NFL and Steve Sable or if it was, you know, a lot of luck, I'm sure, but there's a connection there that, you know, melody and big memorable melodies are such a big thing to me. And it's basically the recipe of what NFL films music is. Yeah. So, um, you know, there was a huge influence of those films. You know, maybe I didn't know it at the time, but, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I grew up in that time. I mean, not that there's not great music now. It was just presented in a different way, and I think music was everywhere. You know, it was played in boom boxes, and it was just out there. Now everything's kind of in headphones, and everybody's listening to their own thing, and, and it's a little less communal, you know. It, it was just, you know, you went to the mall, and, songs were blaring out of every store as you walked by and stuff um you know it was just a different time just real thankful that you know i think it prepared me for my job that i do now you mentioned steve sable and that's been one guy that i wish i could have had the chance to meet uh, in my lifetime before he passed away and and what he has done you know obviously nfl films with his dad ed and, and all that how did that connection between you two how did that meeting or however it was how did that develop? How how did you guys meet, and and how did you get involved with with NFL films? Yeah, you know, Steve, it's so hard for me to talk about him sometimes. Um, it was definitely was a real connection on a, on a musical level and creative level. I felt with Steve, um, you know, kind of I felt like I was in the right place and the right time with the right company with him, and I think he felt the connection to what I did, you know, obviously to help me and, and Tom Head and the other composer. Um, but the, the, yeah, the path there was, you know, uh, a little odd. You know, I was at Berkeley College of Music. Um, I had just graduated, and I had really good relationships with some of the teachers there, and um, there was a woman teacher who got a call from NFL Films um, that they needed an intern in the audio department. So... When I was at Berkeley, I studied 
film composition was my main focus, but then I did a secondary degree in music production engineering, which is basically like the recording process of music. So she said, hey, and she called me up and said, I think you're the perfect person for this internship, NFL Films, why don't you go check it out? And I loved NFL Films growing up. I knew, you know, I loved watching the fantastic finishes in between the games and all their movies and stuff real respect for it but i thought it was like you know six you know 70 year old guys with movie old machines <laughs> you know making movies um and so i kind of blew it off but then uh i was waiting in line at berkeley for some studio time and i was looking at a publication and it had this studio on the front of it i was like wow boy i'd love to work at a place like that and i opened up the cover and looked at it and here it was studio a at nfl films so me and my future wife got in a rental car, drove down to NFL Films, and, uh, you know, I ended up getting the internship. And uh, right when I got the internship, I uh, Tom Hedden had started there maybe 10 months before me, and uh, we just hit it off. He was a musical person. He wrote music. Um, and while I was still an intern, we just wrote some things together for one of the producers there. Not, not with any kind of, you know, plan to, you know, restart the original music department of NFL Films or anything like that. And some producers liked it. We did a second piece, did a third piece, did something for another producer. It just started to build. And, um, you know, within three months, I had impressed them enough as an intern that they hired me in the audio department. So me and Tom just kept writing. You know, we do some for a producer, that producer would like it, tell the another producer, and, um, you know, it didn't snowball, but it started to become something that we did besides our day jobs at NFL Films, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we just kept going, and it got to the point where it was too much for us to do it at night and on weekends that we, uh, we both just became full-time composers, and that's when it really took off. You know, we started doing the big orchestral stuff. Steve Sable was really behind it. Started really, you know, letting us, you know, get some budgets for things and stuff. And then, you know, by the mid-90s, uh, you know, we were sitting at Abbey Road Studios with the players from the London Symphony Orchestra playing our music, and it was amazing. I mean, I never, we never had plans of doing that. Not that we didn't plan things out, me and Tom, but we just loved doing what we were doing and Steve liked what we were doing. So it, it just kind of kept, kept rolling. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we didn't have any grand plans. We weren't trying to make money. We weren't trying to do whatever. We were just trying to make the best music for our films to make them better. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that's why it just became what it is today and became so successful. I thought, uh, and I could be wrong on this, uh, in one of the uh, football lives with, with Steve Sable, I thought there was a part in there where he mentioned, he talked about the music, and, you know, if, if he had, like, an idea or something like that, he would go to, I think it was, like, maybe Sam Spence. Did he kind of do that with you, and did, did you ever meet and work with Sam Spence, too? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm probably the biggest Sam Spence fan because, uh, you know, I think just, just the go off on a side tangent here you know i know people a lot of people probably know it and stuff but the idea that what sam and steve did truly really steve's idea but 
but the talent of Sam Spence was brought it to fruition. Um, you know, everybody takes for granted what what music is, how it's used in sports programming today across the board, whether it's horse racing, boxing, hockey, football, baseball, you name it. It's because of the two of them. I mean, Steve, before Steve Sable came up with the idea of taking dramatic music and putting it under sports programming, it was all marches. It was all real stiff music. It didn't really address the emotion of what was going on. The two of them are what, you know, brought about this massive change. Um, and Steve and NFL Films did it on multiple levels, between the camera work and sound and everything. But for me, obviously, the most profound thing is music. I think we take it for granted um, when you see some dramatic piece of music underneath uh, sports footage, but it's because of them. So, um, but Steve's relationship with Sam was kind of a long distance relationship. Sam was in Germany and Steve was over here. And, you know, the way he communicated with Sam to get him to write stuff, I think was a little more of, you know, he would hear some music and want Sam to, you know, let's, let's do something with this emotion. Um, I think the unique thing that Tom and I brought that really excited Steve because at that point Sam hadn't written much music for NFL films, you know, through kind of the late eighties into the nineties when me and Tom kind of showed up. Um, there was excitement in Steve because we were in the building. We were, we were literally 10 offices down from Steve and, you know, he could be driving in that morning and, and be thinking about a film he's making and he could stop right in our offices and say, Hey, what if he opened with this? What if it started out with just, you know, shot of the grass with sprinkler heads going and you guys start this music like this or something, you know, it was, uh, I think excited him because I think that, I think he had a great relationship with Sam, but I think it was a different one with Tom and I, because it was a lot more interactive in a way. And, um, you know, for us, it made it more fun, too, because, you know, we had, at that time, 16 other producers we could interact with that way, too, when they were making their films. You know, they literally could be editing the film, and we could come in and watch that part of it, and then go back to our room and start writing a piece of music. You know, um, so it was great. But, I mean, Tom and I owe everything to Sam. I mean, that's kind of who started it all, and, you know, thank God they got together and they thought this up because I wouldn't be able to do what I do, you know, without them. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you, this might, you know, because this weekend and actually on Thursday night, we're going to hear some of your music with the, with the hall of fame class. And obviously with, with the Vince Lombardi trophy presentation, iconic songs, iconic music. I got to ask, how do you get that inspiration? I mean, what, how do you come up? Like, it just seems like, you know, I'm a big Lombardi guy, obviously. We're, we're in Wisconsin with uh, Lombardi time. I love that piece. Where do you get this yeah. infra inspiration? Because it always seems like it fits perfectly with either the highlight clips or, or some of the, the archive footage. Where do you get this inspiration? Well, I think each of it, you know, like I say, I was talking with our interaction with Steve, with each of the producers, you know, we've got great produce, young producers at our place now. Um you know, and we're involved so early on in the process. You know, we do things a lot like Hollywood. You know, we we use themes throughout our musical themes throughout our shows and stuff. But, um, you know, we're involved so early on that you really get an idea of what the film's about. You know, um, you know, we did that Lombardi film. We lived and breathed him. And, 
you know, I was probably, before I even wrote a note or anything, you know, I was sitting down with the producer, Keith Cosgrove, and I was just talking about the film. It was, we weren't even talking music or anything. Just talking about the film months before I even started writing the music. And, uh, you know, it just really helps give you a, a sense of, of what perspective they're going to take on a big figure like Lombardi, you know, who's done so many films on him. Like, what is this film going to be different? How is it going to be different? And, um, yeah, and then I sit down. It's not like I, I've had moments where some melodies just come to me and stuff like that but for me honestly if i'm being i don't want to make it sound too romantic or that i have some special talent or anything it's work you know i just sit and i just start writing and you know i just a couple seasons ago did the 100th anniversary theme mm -hmm. and uh you know it took me more than 70 tries not just for myself working through i wrote 70 different themes for that till i came up with the one that I really thought fit the right thing. And, uh, you know, with Lombardi, every film's different. Not that I'm doing 70 themes for each film, but um, you just keep going and working through it until you feel you get the essence of what that character is, you know, or who the subject matter is. Um, you know, NFL Films prides itself on that level of detail, and, you know, we really are making you know, movies that are shown on a small screen, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they really have a lot of those aspects of cinematic qualities to it. So, you know, the, sometimes it's inspired really quickly. Sometimes it takes a lot of work to come up with it, you know, but we do think things through, you know, as doing the hard knocks theme, you know, it's, we don't just throw things together. You know, there is a lot of thought and discussion as to hard knocks. Like, what do we want this open? How this is, training camp this is something the world's never seen before for the first one you know they've always seen the polished game on sunday and the everybody in their you know uniforms and stadiums erupting all this kind of stuff this is you know just the players out there in shorts sometimes and they're you know what are we going to do you know and, mm -hmm. and it took a lot and i came up with the idea of it's maybe it's more percussive maybe it's more raw maybe it's more of a you know, bring in some ethnic instruments and stuff to really, uh, you know, give us some sense of that things aren't polished yet, you know, if it's, there's a lot on the line and stuff. So there's a lot of thinking that goes into our stuff before we even write a note, you know. We really, like you say, we want it to fit and tailor to that particular film. When you watch, like, you know, maybe if you watch the NFL Honors on Thursday or the Super Bowl or you know, one of the, one of your films, and and you hear one of your songs, like you know, if it's a legend carrying down the Lombardi Trophy, and one of your your pieces is playing in the background, do you still kind of think to yourself, "That's so cool that that's my that's my song. I helped create that moment." Does it does it still kind of hit you, like maybe when you were first uh, in, in your career, and does that excitement level still kind of hit you? Well, I think yeah. I mean, early on in my career, you know, you definitely every little thing that happens is just a big moment you kind of can't can't believe it um yeah i mean it's definitely neat i don't, I don't want to sound like a mr modest about all things and stuff um it's it's neat i feel really more now i just feel honored and i just feel lucky i mean there's i'm not saying to be modest I mean, there's a million people that could do my job and probably do it better but there's 
you know, I'm lucky enough that I'm in it, and I really try, even after 30-some years, to just put the same energy and effort into the film I'm working on right now than I did that first time. And I think it's probably, you know, you talk to your kids about a lot of things. I think having a great career and everything, but having longevity is, is kind of the luckiest thing. You know, to be able to do something once is great, and a couple of times is even better, but to be able to do it for 30-some years, you know, hey, you got to be doing something right, and, you know, it's just, you know, you feel honored and, and lucky. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I do. I don't take it for granted at all because, you know, to be able to write something like the Hard Knocks theme and have it be something that people enjoy and, and you know, the Lombardi theme and Thursday Night Football and stuff, it really, you know, I just, just feel lucky and honored, I guess, that I'm able to do that. You know, with your with the new sound, soundtrack out, Man of War, uh, this might be a stupid question. Do you come up with the names of the pieces w- with this? And if so, you know, because you, you got like Man of War, Retribution, then you got BB's Chase. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah. is that, you know, was it, was it because you watched Don BB, you know, Chase Down, you know, the cowboy player and all that? Does Do you name those songs? And do, do some of those names kind of come out to you because of, you know, what you saw on film? Yeah, there's no no doubt, you know. Yeah, I have to. It's actually one of the things that's the most difficult for me now because after 30 years, I'm running out of adjectives and words <laughs> to name things. But, um, yeah, when Sam used to do it, he was lucky because it just, when he was done, it was just NFL, you know, 607. And then when it came, all the producers named it into the names, Up She Rises and all these other kinds of things. But unfortunately, I have to name them all. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of them are... You know, I go back to, you know, the way we do films and stuff. We we use the leitmotif thing where you take a theme throughout a film and you reuse it at certain points to really emphasize what's going on. We create almost these mini film scores that have themes that run throughout. And uh, BB's Chase was from, we took a theme and made it into a little score for the Four Falls of Buffalo. Um, and that was that was the music that went over that scene, that play you're actually talking about. So remember, he, he chases down, um, I forget who it was. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I come up with the, the themes, and we try to, you know, we take it seriously because, you know, our producers reuse a lot of our stuff for other films and everything. So you want the, the title to represent the emotion of the, so it makes it easier for them when they're scanning down through to be able to choose pieces. I think it was, uh, was it Leon Lett for, for the Cowboys? Yeah, Chase Down? Leon Lett, yep. He's, he's, yep, so I can picture it in my mind right yep. now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, David, I mean, you know, I kind of want to do a, a few fun questions here for you too, but I mean, I got yeah. to be honest with you. You know, every morning, mostly every morning, when because I'm up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting ready. A lot of your music's in the background getting ready because for, you know, I'm still, I, you know, I'm 30, I'll be 36 here, but I still feel like I'm getting ready to go into a game every time I hear your music. So that kind of gets me, you know, pumped up a little bit for, for my show. So um, do, do you hear that from, from any other people too? Like, you know, well, I listen to your music all the time. Maybe if I'm, you know, getting ready for a game or, you know, how many people actually come up to you and say like your soundtracks just, you know, they get me excited. They get me a little bit emotional because there's one song that, you know, I think it was uh, uh, Farewell to a Hero 
that gets a little emotional there too. I mean, do how, how do you get that often in your profession? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. You know, I, it's funny for me because when I write the music, it's for a particular scene or a film, and that's kind of the way I see it. And I never think of it as standing on its own and somebody just listening to it. But, um, yeah, no, I get lots of stuff. Everything from, you know, I wrote a song, A Hero Remembered. Yep, that's it. On the for Steve Sable's, uh, you know, his concert and stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of people connect with that, especially, you know, the passing of important people in their lives and stuff. And you know, I get stories about that. And um, a lot of people love to work out to the music or whatever. Um, a lot of football players, you know, back, you know, in the 90s and 2000s and stuff, used to come up all the time and request pieces and stuff because I couldn't get them but want to, you know, listen to them before the games and stuff like that to get pumped up. So, um, yeah, it's great to see that. And, you know, it's great. You know, the reason we release our stuff isn't for ourselves. You know, we get a lot of the fans requesting, you know, pieces to be released and stuff. And mm-hmm. we feel, hey, hey it's, uh, you know, if they want it, we should we should deliver it. So um, Man of War is, is our latest one. And, and we're ramping up to release a lot more. You know, we got a lot of Sam stuff out there. Um, so, um, yeah, it's great. You know, I, I think it's, you know, it's very humbling. You get honored when people, you know, really connect with a piece of music, you know, especially mm-hmm. something that's instrumental and everything. It just really must yeah, move I, them in a way. I can't tell you how many times I've like used Shazam on my phone to try to figure out what song or what piece I'm listening to when I'm watching <laughs> NFL films, uh, or anything on the NFL network or anything like that. It's, it's it's a good piece, and then I'll Google it and see if I uh, can you know, buy the album or on YouTube uh, with with your playlist on there too. So it's it's awesome. Um, just a couple of really fun questions if if you're up for that, David. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Sure. Uh, your favorite music artist or musician of all time, even if you were a kid or now, whose CD? Who I shouldn't say CD that might date us a little bit. You know who's uh, <laughs> whose uh, song are you downloading? What's what's your go to uh, artist? Uh, that's a tough one because, you know, the one thing with NFL films is I get I get asked to write so many different styles. I mean, we write everything from rock to whatever to obviously the big orchestral stuff's what we're known for. Uh, and I, I like I love all kinds of music. It kind of depends on my mood. I would say as a as the only thing I can always come back to, and it's not necessarily my go to that I'm always listening to or whatever. But I remember being like seven or eight years old and I got obsessed with the band, the police mm. and, uh, it changed my life. I don't know. There was something, uh, in the melodies of sting and, and that kind of stuff that, uh, that's kind of an odd choice or whatever, but I don't know what it was. It just like hit me a certain way. And I think it's what drew me into music to be totally honest and led me to all kinds of other things. You know I mean? As far as, uh, you know, like I'm a, I'm a total, 80s kid, like I said, you know, I can I can go rock with, you know, Van Halen and ACDC or Earth, Wind and Fire, or pop with, you know, uh, Huey Lewis or Michael Jackson or Tears for Fears or something, you know, I'm, um, you, some of the stuff starts to sound, you know, cheesy to other people, but I'm, it is what it is. I mean, as far as films composers, uh, without a doubt, my favorite is Alan Silvestri. I mean, he's at the top for me. Um, 
a close second to that was is John Williams and Hans Zimmer. You know, just had a mm-hmm. huge influence on me. But Alan Silvestri, I connect. I, I feel, I don't know, I sometimes feel some of the things I write. He's a very melodic but rhythmic composer. His his melodies really have a lot of rhythm in them and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, I just connect with him. I don't know. I feel like he, he probably subconsciously influenced me immensely. So. Uh, what are you doing? What's your hobby uh, when you're not composing music? Uh, I like to build things. I don't know if it's still the creative thing. I love to build anything in my house, whatever. I'm always ripping things apart and building stuff. I love projects like that. I don't know if it's... Uh, you know, I build the music desks that I work on. Mm. I, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. That's probably the furthest thing from music, but it's still like I do it for a creative outlet or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. Can't figure it out. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, favorite, uh, favorite football team as a kid or, or currently? Oh, I'm an Eagles fan. Okay. But, yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, finally got one Super Bowl. Yeah. That's all we needed. <laughs> I, w- I got to tell you, I'm really glad you guys took care of that one because, you know, Vikings, yeah. where I'm at, I'm a Packers fan. So we couldn't have yep. the Vikings go there. So thank you for that. We, yeah. I was a big Eagles fan then. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm diehard. Whole family is. So. Nice. Uh, favorite movie of all time, David. Favorite movie of all time. I guess I got it. Um, I, I guess I got to give that to Star Wars as a kid. I guess. Mm-hmm. I uh, as cheesy as that would that would be. <laughs> Um, it's an adult, probably different ones, but as far as the impact on me, I mean, uh, if you're a kid that grew up in the eighties, I mean, it, like it just, you know, the whole world changed the day that came out right. for kids. I mean, this movie, I don't know a movie that had more impact on kids than that. So if uh, you weren't doing what you're doing now, what do you think you would be doing for a living? Well, if I wasn't writing music for NFL films, I know I would still write music. I mean, I just, it's something I got to do, whether it would be a, enough to be a profession and, and make a living at it, I really don't know. But um, I can't see myself doing anything else. I, I really, it, you know, you hear it all the time with music people and it sounds cliche or something. It's just something I got to do. It's, it's like a creative release of something. You know, the... Uh, it's it's not a job or just an interest or anything like that. It's like breathing and eating and stuff. It's like you just got to do it. So I think I would probably be living in a gutter somewhere, but hopefully have a guitar and just trying to write music, and I'd probably still be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question for you, sir. And I know this might be kind of a, a broad one and maybe a little bit difficult, but if throughout your career, I mean, you've won many awards, many Emmys, created a lot of stuff. Is there one thing in your your career that kind of stands above the rest, or in your life that kind of stands above the rest? As far as an award or anything, or uh, you mean just a moment? Just a moment. Just a moment. Um, you know, I had a really unique experience with Steve Sable and Ed. Um, we had gotten to the point where they gave us enough money to go over see to London the Abbey Road and record. And it was a real chance on their part because back then 
he didn't have all these computers and everything for us to be able to mock up the melodies and how the orchestra was going to sound. I mean, now I can basically show the producers before we even spend a dime what it's going to sound like. I mean, very close to it. Back then, you couldn't. We just banged out on the piano. I'd say to Steve, well, the French horns will play this melody here, and we'll have it. You know, the strings will play some type of line like this here. So it was a real, like, uh, you know, for them to give us the amount of money they did and for us to go over there and record was, was really taking a risk because you wouldn't know what it sounded like until you came back. Well, we come back with the multi-track tapes, and um, we hadn't mixed them yet or anything like that. But Steve came to me, and he said, Hey, my dad just came in. We're going to go to lunch do you mind just playing some of the stuff for him, just for me and him or something? So went up to Studio A, just me and Ed and Steve, and I put up the multi-track tapes, and we just started playing the stuff. And I have to say, I mean, we knew, I mean, it was special being at Abbey Road and with those musicians, you know, it, it, the instruments they play are amazing. They're amazing. We knew it was special when we were bringing it back. And it wasn't even mixed. I just had the faders up, just, you know, all the instruments up. And I just started playing it, and I just sat up to the front by the console, and the two of them turned into, like, kids. I mean, they were running around the studio acting like radio calls and throwing passes <laughs> to each other while this music was playing for, like, 25 minutes. That's and it was just a surreal moment for me. I, You know, I never saw that side of, of Steve. And Ed had retired maybe two or three years into when I was there, so I knew Ed and and interacted with him, but not to the point where I, the relationship I was having with Steve and just to see them do that to, to, our, to Tom and I's music. And, you know, it just like inspired me beyond belief for the next 20 years. You know, it was just like, this is more than people just trying to make money and, and do some. These are people that want to like make films that move people and, not only the historical and documentary, but they're, you know, on an emotional level, we're like a great Hollywood film, you know, and, you know, they were including Tom and I in that process in a big way, you know, that not just financially to, to pay for it all, but creatively. I mean, I, I don't know another place that allows people to be that free creatively, and I think that's why, you know, I don't think they necessarily are hiring just the most amazingly talented people more than ESPN and all these other places. I think there's amazingly talented people at all these places. I think it's that they realize, and Steve especially, that for creativity to really get to the highest level, you just got to let it be what it is. You got to let people fail. You got to let people be able to, you know, feel comfortable throwing out an idea and not being ridiculed or whatever. And, you know, you got to be willing to give money to these two composers to go overseas and, and try to do something creatively that you just let them do their thing. Yeah. So I think it's an amazing place, but that, that moment for me in my career, I think was better than any use of my music on TV or whatever it was for me. That's what it was all about. That's awesome. That is an awesome story. David, if you ever, I know you mentioned, you know, one of them, you know, you, you kind of use the example, you, 70 times it, it took. If you ever have any that you just like throw away out of the can, 
we'll take an intro over here, man. I'm just kidding. You know, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, no, we should definitely do that. No, it's something we should do. Yeah, if you ever got a 30 second clip or something like that, I hey, I love your stuff. It is so awesome. Yeah. So. We'll have to make that happen. I love that. David, hey, I appreciate the time so much. It's been an honor to to talk to you. And and if I came off too much as a fan or anything like that, I apologize. But I'm just I'm a big fan, so thank you for, for taking this time. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. We got a couple of films coming out this week that uh love to uh just mention if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have uh you know, Road to the Super Bowl, which is a show we do every year. It's a kind of a dramatic recap of the season that'll be on nbc in their pregame like maybe 12 or one o'clock on sunday on nbc and uh we got one of the one of the best 30 for 30s i ever worked on uh we've done a lot of them just came out the uh tom brady the tuck rule Mm -hmm. with uh, brady and charles woodson um really captivating to me um that's out on espn um, and at HBO, we did a uh, show with Terry Bradshaw, really unique. He yeah. has kind of his own musical review kind of thing. And we did a whole film based on this. And he tells his life story and really opens up. It's called Terry Bradshaw Going Deep it's on HBO. And um, it's really unique. You know, the music we did is, is really underscores, and it's, it's not our usual thing. But, uh, you know, he really... Uh, opens up about some things that I've, you know, I've worked on a ton of Terry Bradshaw films over 30 years. I've been there. This one, I learned some stuff I, I never knew. That's awesome. And then uh, it, the definitive kind of Joe Montana series for Peacock, which mm-hmm. is out now. Um, and also a show called, a series called Earning It, which uh, Jane Goodell uh, produced and stuff. And, um, and just some good shows, I think, around the Super Bowl here that we got. And the NFL Honors Show. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up on Thursday night, have a going to have a live orchestra there. Um, the uh, it's the LA uh, Youth Orchestra. We arranged some pieces for them, so they're going to play live during the show and play the open and some of the other, you know, some classic Sam pieces and uh, stuff throughout the show. So hopefully, it'll be interesting. That uh, is, it's always a good show. Yeah, that is awesome. You got one of the luckiest jobs in the world, man. You got that is yeah, so I, awesome. I realize it too. I don't. I don't take one day for granted. That's awesome, David. Again, thank you so much uh, for for your time, and uh, I hope we can chat again soon sometime if you're up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Just a quick time out to remind you to subscribe and follow the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. All right, back to the episode. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with David as much as I did. So awesome. Wouldn't it be so cool if we had an intro done by the master, the man himself, David? Oh, I was geeking out a little bit of kind of, you know, fanboy right there. So big thanks to David for, for taking some time, especially during Super Bowl week, to, uh, to, to chat with us here a little bit. Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did. All right, Super Bowl week, my, the time for my predictions. Rams, Bengals. Now, my heart says Bengals. I'm rooting for the Bengals in this thing. I've become a big fan of Joe Burrow. Bengals kind of like, you know, the underdog in this whole thing. Proving everybody wrong. Love Eye of the Tiger. One of my themes. I love that that song. Rocky. You, you guys know me. Love my Rocky. 
Rams, this is all the pressures on the Rams in this, right? They gave up draft picks, made all those moves. Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr. a couple years ago, Jalen Ramsey. Bringing in all those name players, all that talent. Sacrificing draft picks, maybe mortgaging the future a little bit. Pressure's on them. I would say even the pressure of playing within their own building. Knowing that, I think that's on them too. All the hoopla surrounding it. I want to pick the Bengals so much. It's just that Bengals offensive line. And I know Burrow got sacked nine times against the Titans and they still won. But you're talking Aaron Donald and Von Miller in this one. I just, I don't know. I'm going to pick the Rams in this one. I'm going to go 27-20 with the Rams winning this winning this Super Bowl. And if that's the case, we might have an interesting conversation in the next episode about Matthew Stafford and his legacy if he does get that Super Bowl. I know I mentioned it a little bit on my radio show, but we might have to do a little bit of a, a deeper conversation in that. So I'm going with the Rams, 27-20. But my heart... I'm going with the Bengals. I'm going with the Bengals. So, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, we'll chat with you again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to the podcast, well, hopefully you liked it so you'll be back. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon. We're practically everywhere. And if you're listening to somewhere like on iTunes, don't forget to give us a good rating so other people can find the podcast as well. And, and tell your friends and family about us. And if you are a regular listener to the Man Cave Podcast, hey, appreciate the support, everyone. Appreciate the support. Again, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast, rate us, and tell your friends about the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper. We'll talk to you again next time.